Well spunked. Have you not been hearing me? Oh man, the goon! Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. Sorry the neurons aren't firing today. Yes, it is. Exactly. Cleanses the palate with zombies. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. Did I just have a stroke? That's a valuable misprint, sir. And now, your hosts, Luke Matthews. My solution to every problem is blah, 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 deus ex machina, blah, 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 blah. And B. That's like playing pretend with, with uh, five-year-olds and being like, what do you want your your powers to be? And they're like, everything! Joel Simon. It starts off and it's like, okay, yeah, these guys are detective. And they're like, who, who killed Wonder Woman? I mean, Retro Girl. And, <laughs> and then shit gets real. And Andy Padel. My brain, it's melting and filled with goo at the moment. I need booze. All right, so everybody ready to go? Yep. Uh, we ready to go. Let me kick this shit. Let us shit. <laughs> Center oh. yourself. Yeah. Okay, I'm good. Welcome, everybody, to the inaugural episode of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Matthews. I am joined today by Andy Padel. Hey, how's it going? Joel Simon. What's up? And Ann Bean. Ahoy, ahoy. For those of you who don't know and don't follow our other podcasts, this is Geekerific's attempt at a comic book podcast. Um, it's going to have some topical comic book bullshitting at the beginning, but the, the premise of the show is going to be uh, focusing on a particular trade or collected edition each every two weeks, and we're going to read through it, and then we're going to talk about it on the show, tell what we like, what we don't like, whether or not you should be reading it or... There will be spoilers. Lots and lots of spoilers. Lots of spoilers. This will be a spoiler-filled show, so if there's something you haven't read, uh, you're going to want to read it before you listen. Hopefully, in the future, we'll be able to say in advance what we're doing, like a couple weeks in advance, and that way you can read along with us and then listen to the show and listen to us bullshit about stuff. But, you know, beside all of that, it's just going to be a bunch of comic book geeks bullshitting about comic books because that's what we like to do. We'll start off, uh, I guess the way that we're going to try and start off every show is by talking a little bit about what we're reading right now or things that we want to talk about. So we'll start with Andy because he'll, he'll be the one that rambles on the longest. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> so I'll keep it short. Uh, two of the things I'm reading right now. First off is Punisher Max by Jason Aaron, which is amazing. His take on the Punisher is super dark and not like funny dark, but like twisted. No, he's the, he's the guy that scalped. Did scalped, okay. Yeah, scalped. Yeah. Uh, so. His first one was Other Side, which was about the Vietnam War, written ah. from the aspect of two 18-year-olds, one from each side. Both of them die horribly, if I remember correct. <laughs> well, it's Vietnam. Well, yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, people died in the Vietnam War? My history books lied to me. <laughs> um, but so the first... They were written by Americans, after all. Uh <laughs> it took Shit. you a second. Yeah, no. <laughs> Sorry, the neurons aren't firing today. Um, one of the things I really like is that each major arc so far has focused on a different villain. The first one focused on Kingpin. The second one's Bullseye. I'm going to guess that probably for the third one, he'll do Jigsaw. Hmm. Okay. Uh, he's not doing anything super fantastic or anything like that. This is like a very gritty, true crime-esque version of the Punisher. No. That's the way it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's because I've always hated in the past. I, I used to like the Punisher when I was a kid. I, I didn't read much of it. I read uh, the Marvel Knights Punisher for a little while, um, and that one was pretty good. But I, I always hated the times when they tried to pull the Punisher 
deeper into the rest of the Marvel universe, you know, and they tried to like mix him up with superheroes and stuff and it just it never doesn't work. It never works. The only time the only time it ever worked is when they occasionally mixed him in with like Daredevil. Or like Spider Man maybe? Or, no, not even Spider Spider Man's too much of the He's too strong. All American superhero yeah. type. But it was a good so, contrast, yeah. I guess. Yeah, maybe. Um but yeah, as as I was saying though, uh one of the things that I really like is they started out with uh, Frank Castle being not necessarily on the side of the cops, but they, for the most part, ignored him. They were like, we know what he's doing. We don't necessarily approve, but we're not going to go out of our way to stop this guy who's making the streets cleaner. Then, Like he- Louis Gossett Jr. in the movie? Wow. Uh. <laughs> okay, so... And on the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> at one point, there is a dirty cop that he kills, and none of the police officers knew that he was a dirty cop, so that switches very quickly. Oh. Huh. Uh, the other book that I'm going to talk about for just like 10 seconds because it's super, super simple is Thunderbolts, which is fantastic. There are some really great runs on it. Uh, superhero or super villain reform team. Some of the better runs have been Warren Ellis's run and then the, uh, oh God, who, I can't remember the writer was who did it during Dark Reign where it became a black, uh, a black ops squad. Basically, Norman Osborn took this criminal rehabilitation program, filled it with the worst convicts that he possibly could, and said, you guys want to go beat up some superheroes? Okay. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I was always mistaken because I thought that Thunderbolts came before Suicide Squad, but Suicide Squad was first, right? Right. Yeah, because it it's been around for a while. Now, I, can I go back? I was wondering, what's the deal with the whole Max line? Are they just doing more edgy stuff? or So the first Ma- uh, Marvel Max title was Alias. It was their attempt to do sort of a, a Vertigo-esque, more adult-oriented, more mature stories, a little bit more serious. Not, not with Jennifer Garner. No, not with Jennifer okay. Garner. Right. This is about, um, oh, she was in the Avengers for a little bit. I can't remember her name. She ends up retiring from being a superhero because of an encounter she has with the Purple Man, who basically brainwashed her for six months uh, and... She just goes doing private eye stuff, and she has superpowers, but she doesn't really use them, and it's more about her development coming to the realization in terms that she's okay with who she is, and she ends up with Luke Cage. Oh, touchy-feely. It it crosses over. Marvel Max normally is not the same universe as the main Marvel universe, but this is one exception where they took her story and then kept her with Luke Cage, and they've got a kid now. That's all I need. You've read Alias, right? So, so I why have not read Alias. Oh, I know. I don't alias. you know if if with the number of comics that you read, Andy, you are not allowed to sigh and roll your eyes at me every time I say I haven't read something. But okay, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> done. Not, okay, I'm done. <laughs> no argument. Now, see, here's my thing: is that I've I've read comic books as a kid, and I kind of left them. And I'm coming back, and of course, Andy got his hooks into me, and now has been feeding me so all kinds of. What you, spend a minute telling your story of, of exactly how you got into comics. How I got into comics? Yeah. Okay, so I started out, of course, with X Men, because you know, back in the back in the days when it was like right before um, Jim Lee and uh, Sylvester came into it. So it was back in the in the eighties, late late eighties, early nineties, and um, you before know, just or after kinda, Claremont. After. After Claremont. Okay. Yeah. And so then um, I, I just kind of walked away from it. You, we grew apart, let's say, <laughs> so to speak. And then I, I met Andy. Andy started hipping me so, to some comic books because I knew that there was a lot of stuff out there in the last you know, 10 years or so since then. And so he would give me some stuff, and, and I really liked it. And I was like, okay, give me more. And be more in the like, you know, just like a good pusher does, the first one's free. And then he kind of doles it out. 
um, you know, when he sees fit. And so I've just been kind of getting back into it. And it's funny being around other comic book artists or other comic book aficionados where they talk about like uh, different either artists or different writers. And I'm not really familiar with them. And mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm just kind of getting kind of getting hip to all this, all, all the comic books before. And there's there's some definitely some good writers and there's some bad writers. And so I'm just kind of putting my ear to the ground to see what's out there. And there's there's a lot of good stuff now because back back in the 80s or whatever, that's when they kind of went through the whole. Um, I think I got out of I got out of comics because of um, holograms, polybags, <laughs> exactly, trader card inserts, Ex exactly. Oh, Seventy two part when, crossovers. When comic books started going over a yes. dollar a dollar an issue because when I bought them there were mm -hmm. like twenty five seventy five cents when I started buying them. Yeah, yeah, and and then I was like, okay, I I can't do this anymore. This makes no sense. But you know, it was all on nice glossy paper and whatnot. It's like, yeah, but it's not enough. But um, now that I'm coming back into it, there's there is a marked difference between like the writing and the artists mm -hmm. than there was back then. Absolutely. Because stuff was really campy before and now they're really on like mature themes and whatnot. And a lot more because like a prime example, I just read um, Fraction's take on, on Invincible Iron Man okay. and, the, and the stuff he was talking about with, with like um, barter, barter system. What's oh, five side. You were talking about the five nightmares. You know, after the five nightmares, though. But, you know, stuff that he was talking about that definitely wasn't aimed towards kids mm -hmm. because there are really advanced themes there. And I was like, wow, this is kind of great. Uh, you know, the action in was kind of hokey, but everything behind it was, was great. And the fact that, that Iron Man or Tony Stark is, is gone green and not selling guns anymore, you know, kind of jives with where he was going with the Avengers and whatnot anyways. Mm -hmm. You know, but... That's kind of my my take on like comic books and how I got back into it, and just like the whole culture of it too. I've been all, I've been impressed, uh, especially recently, with because uh, there there was a time probably in the late '90s to early 2000s where where comic books there was a this wide gap between something that was geared toward an adult and something that wasn't where the stuff that was geared toward adults was like super violent and like ridiculous you know lots of they they just threw cussing in there because they knew they could mm -hmm. you know after after they stopped basically using the comics, comics code, code authority yeah. you know they just, yeah. they were just like ah we can throw fuck in here as many times as we want Let's do it. um and now it's grown to a point where you can actually get a comic that that anyone could sit down and read but it has those advanced themes for the people that can grasp them right mm -hmm. you know like ducktales that shit's super popular in europe apparently really i was reading an article about why they still make you know you'll see you know in your comic store you'll see donald duck issue 322 or something like that and it's like who the hell's buying this apparently it's like germans and the swiss it, well it blew my mind when i learned that uh what whatever archie's publisher is has grossed more over its lifespan yeah. than Marvel or DC. Oh, no easy. kidding, that's disgusting. And a lot, of, I mean, a lot of that's well, but think of DC's fault, but still. Yeah. But also think of the stuff that they publish that's not core, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they ha they do have core Archie comics that are in normal comic format, but they have like digest format stuff that you find on a on a fucking supermarket rack for seventy five cents, and that shit sells like crazy because. Everybody knows Archie. Like, Archie Comics is the we of the comic industry, <laughs> right? It's like, appeals to so many people. It doesn't appeal to me, but that's because, you know, the we doesn't appeal to me either because I'm a, I'm a core gamer more so than a, you know, 
Yeah. Like what? A waggle gamer. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Waggle gamer? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong podcast, buddy. Back to books. Back to books. Sorry, you're right. So on that subject, now that you're back into comics, what is it that you're reading? Oh, oh. I, I'm not, I'm not, it's not my turn yet. Uh, I'll talk about it. It was your turn. That's what okay. started the discussion. So, <laughs> so because of this, because of this, I, I, t- I bought the run of Astonishing X-Men mm-hmm. and with Joss Whedon because everybody's, it, everybody is raves it? about Whedon. Um, so, so I'm reading that and it's, it's great. It's kind of a, a re a rehit or a reimagining of X Men, mm-hmm. and so it's it's got Shadowcat, a Beast, White Queen, mm-hmm. um, Cyclops, and Wolverine. Everybody's got to have Wolverine, you know. Um, He's I, I seventeen just, books. I just love that month. Joss Whedon can't write unless he has a girl as his muse, and, and that's it, mainly it's it's fair. like Shadowcat is his. Is the main character that he oh, follows Colossus me on. Oh, Colossus is in there, yeah, too. Yeah, thank you, Colossus. And see, this is the thing, is I missed all this stuff. And apparently X-Men is known for killing off characters and then mysteriously bringing them back. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess all comics are, are like that. That was, I got to say, uh, having read the, the Joss Whedon run on Astonishing X-Men, the, the bringing back of Colossus was one of the better handled of the Marvel Resurrections. Like... I thought anyway. Like somebody so, might disagree with me, I, but I actually like, thought like I can't disagree because I'm thinking of like the oh that Spider Man he was just a clone. Oh he oh, wasn't yeah right. <laughs> I mean there's some terrible shit out there. No yeah. How many times has Professor yeah. X died? Like seven. He got shot in the brain, <laughs> and he was okay. Of course. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I see. I still I'm catching up on all this stuff. Captain America fighting his way through time oh. after getting hit by a time bullet. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. I, that one just baffles me. Hey, hey, Captain America, since you got sent back 50 years into the past, here's an idea. Write yourself a fucking letter. <laughs> <laughs> Dear future me, don't go to the courthouse. Yeah. Don't stand on the steps. But sure, that would cause a paradox, and then the whole universe would fall apart. Uh, they'd retcon it, and then we'd all be good. So, This is one of the reasons why I stopped like really following the, the two major universes, Marvel and DC. Like, I... Oh. I like contain, self-contained worlds and self-contained storylines now, and that's what kind of what I focus on when, with my reading. But, um, which is uh, like I'm, I'm reading *Mice Templar* right now uh, again, and it, I, I really enjoy that. And I actually wanted to bring up *Mice Templar*. The two that I'm reading right now, aside from Sixth Gun*, are, are *Mice Templar* and uh, *Powers*. I just got into *Powers* because I. Got, <laughs> I got a bunch of the Groupons for for Comics Dungeon. For for anybody who's listening, Comics Dungeon is a local shop, a good local shop, that put out a Groupon for uh, $13 for $30 worth of stuff in their store. And it is, I've been using it to buy hardcovers. They did it twice. They've done it twice. And as long as they keep doing it, I will never pay full price for anything in their store. <laughs> but And I think they keep doing it because people keep buying it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I... I've been buying hardcovers on it because just about every hardcover trade is around 30 bucks. It's 25 or 30 bucks. So I walk in there, I drop 13 bucks, I pay tax, and I get a hardcover. And that's what I did with Powers. I bought the first Powers hardcover for 30 bucks off a of Groupon. I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm, I'm about halfway through the hardcover. It's, it's interesting. It gets better. Uh, I understand that. That's true of anything. I've said. I've heard the same thing about Mice Templar because I'm in the middle of the first hardcover of Mice Templar as well, and I've heard that that's it, there's a lot of setup, and then the second arc is where it actually gets really, really good. I don't know. That's what I'm reading. I think we're 
moving on to Anne now. Well, I'm reading the same thing, so I can just <laughs> segue right there. Um, I picked up Powers again. Did I tell you my story about Brian Michael Bendis giving me free comics? No. <laughs> so, uh, end of, very, very end of Emerald City Comic Con, um, and Brian Michael Bendis has had a you know epic line the whole time. And I finally went up and talked to him as he's packing away because I was like, I had a, I had a book I wanted him to sign and uh, I'd been meaning just to say, hey, and, and I talked to him about how I first got into paper comics and I wasn't really sure what direction to go because this is probably... As in newspaper comics? No, no, no. As in not internet comics. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I got into internet comics at about 15 and physical on paper comics at about 17. And Funny uh, books? <laughs> no, really, the th- I I miss so much Marvel canon just because, um, and de- technically DC, but we don't talk about them here. Um, <laughs> I second that. Uh, anyway. Uh, That's I, all Andy. My point being, I went well, to my little, little Colorado Springs comic book shop and I was like, dear comic book guy that looks just like comic book guy in The Simpsons, um, <laughs> where do I start? And he's like read everything Brian Michael Bendis writes. And I was like, okay. And I did, and it was fabulous. And I told this to Brian Michael Bendis. He's like, wow, that's really nice. Hey, it's the end of the con. What don't you have? I don't have Powers 8. Okay. <laughs> nice. So <laughs> He just gave it to you. Yes, he just gave it wow. to me, which was really awesome of him. But, uh, that is really cool. So, he's a really nice guy. He's a nice guy. Mm. Like, I've, I've seen him now I'm at probably nice four cons. Cool. And there have been a couple where he's been tired, right? Which yeah. is... Every uh-huh. artist at every con on Saturday or Sunday, right. uh, but but he's he's very he's very personable. You can mm-hmm. actually talk to him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're right. Emming was very nice as well. He bought Microtron's art. Oh oh, Emming did. Yeah, nice. Yeah, he's he's local. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, anyway, no no. Em- I mean, well, really? Bendis is technically he's Portland. Bendis lives in Portland. That's sort it's of local two, in the same way that Canada two, is local. Yeah. It's two and a half hours away. It's still that's, local. That's, that's so, local. So is Vancouver. It's Texas it's in a different local. country. I can see that. Have you read Powers Through or anything? No, no, no. I, I literally just started it this last weekend because I was able to get that hardcover for um, Whereas cheap. I have read one, two, three, four, and eight because I have no impulse control. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, is that me. all of Killed Retro Girl? Who Killed Retro Girl is the name of the first trade paperback. Yeah, but, but I'm saying... One, you're, two, you're talking about trade eight? I'm talking about trades. Trade eight, not oh. issue eight. Yeah, okay. no, I, I don't bother with <laughs> issues. <laughs> oh, wow. That's... I have no impulse control. <laughs> <laughs> you, you I think like, I read five, too, book. actually. But I haven't read anything in between. Too bad. Yeah. <laughs> you just true. broke Andy's brain. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so beautiful to witness, really. <laughs> That's all right. I'm going to go back so, and buy the intervening So which one ones. is eight, though? I think that's the one with Firebug. I don't think so. The main arc of eight is like so. Is it the one terrible that things have happened? The and helmet. Someone every, ran amok. Everyone has. Are all the superheroes have exiled themselves? Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's all you gotta yeah. say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the aftermath thereof. Yeah. Okay. Patang. And then that's the, and that's the thing about powers is that it starts off and is like okay yeah these guys are detectives and they're like who who killed wonder woman i mean retro girl and and then (laughs) and then shit gets real right it It starts out gets ridiculous people are exploding there's tits all over the place yeah that's about where i'm at what would it be 12 issue no i'm a I'm oh, not you're not finished far. with the first trade. No, no, no. I'm I'm on issue. What would be issue five? I think four or five. You're so. in the middle of the Who Killed Retro Girl, yeah. girl arc. Okay. It's good. Don't get me wrong. I like it. I'm not going to bag yeah. on it. And you know, and one thing that I I can say about Bendis, this is the reason why I like him, is that he is 
is writing is very conversational. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Where you have, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have a lot of like, huh, what? Yeah, well, I was going to say, you know, it's it's not like they have to talk in complete sentences. Yeah. And they talk like real people. I think the panel design helps with that, too. Like, all of oh, his, yeah. like, sort of trademark. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I, I do have to say, Blackness. sometimes I got confused on whether I was supposed to read across or read down. Or I have to reset my brain true. for powers. And I think and that's like, the... Read across. Ah. Uh, oddly yeah. enough, that's probably the letterer's fault more than anybody else. Like, no, it's kind of layout. Eh, sometimes. So, sometimes it is, but there are some times where I've been reading, and within an ed- individual panel, panel i've been lost at which bubble i was supposed to go to next yeah. um where anyway, were we where we, we, uh, we i was gonna talk, talk about, about the goon at some point okay oh, fantastic you go home. right ahead um that's something i read forever ago and kind of forgot that it existed and then i was in the library like you do when you're waiting for a podcast to start and i was like oh man the goon uh so i picked up the second trade paperback of it and read it and i was like i forget that this is the most fabulous thing ever it's good but like for some odd reason this is i cannot get the idea out of my head that the goon is the poor man's hellboy i could see that actually a because he kind of looks like a little bit like the art style is similar Mm. storyline Kind of similar, replace Nazis with zombies. Proportions not necessarily line itself. All right. There are two kind of comic industry news stories that we've uh, that we wrote down for today's show. The first is that C two E two is coming up this weekend. The Chicago, what used to be the Chicago Comic Con, they now call it the Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo. Uh, It's it gives them an it gives them an out for having people like. William Shatner and random sci-fi people there. Um, Is Shatner just doing pretty much the comic like tour? Because he was at Emerald City. Yeah, I, I think he, that's one of the things he does. I mean, he he used to do Trek cons, and now mm-hmm. he's just kind of got general geek cred. So he, so C two E two. I've never been to Chicago Comic Con. I've never been to the city of Chicago, with the exception of running at a full sprint from one side of O'Hare to the other to try and make a connecting flight to Indianapolis. Um, but Chicago Chicago, as a whole, I've never been to. I I went, I think probably 10 years ago to the comic con or to the city, to the comic con. I lived outside of the city, (laughs) but, uh, yeah. How am I supposed to know this shit? All right, fine, fair enough. Uh, but I so, fucking got you off the street to come in here and do this podcast. <laughs> How the fuck am I supposed to? You know? look like a nerd. Yeah. Get over here, you sir, with the uh, the lisp and the uh, the giant stack of books in your backpack. <laughs> You'll do just fine for this podcast. Yeah, it's like Pygmalion. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, but the Chicago, uh, Chicago Comic Con is okay. Um, San Diego just is amazing. But you said it's been ten years since you've been there. So I, it's still in the same venue, I think. Yes, but look at look at how, look at how much PAX has changed in the last mm-hmm. ten years. Are you kidding me? The first PAX that I went to in Maidenbauer was fifteen hundred people. Okay, now yeah. it's seventy thousand. So check this out. Here's my argument. Um, so late nineties comic book crowds are about the same amount as comic book crowds of today. It's just more diverse nowadays. Okay, I don't think really the con itself would change that much. It's possible. Except for the fact that in the last ten years, I could I could make a concerted argument that in the last ten years, comic book 
culture in general has become has gotten more mainstream exposure. Yeah, I, I mean, movies, the movies specifically have have brought things like Iron Man and Spider Man and Dark Knight and Dark Kick Ass into into view Scott where Pilgrim. they weren't before. Mm-hmm. None Hence of those the are name C two E two. Like, yeah, we're entertainment too, not just comic books. Exactly. Look over here. Which is why I always hated Sometimes. when Emerald City Comic Con calls itself a co- the the Northwest's largest comic and pop culture. Uh, convention. It's not a pop culture convention. It's a geek culture convention, mm-hmm. and there's a huge difference. I tell you that football team. I you're totally like. Let's talk about Serenity for a little bit before we go and uh, <laughs> make those last three yards in this play. Mm-hmm. Um, On shot first, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> So the other the other story that we have on the agenda to bring it back around to the Powers discussion is that Powers uh, is g- apparently getting turned into a TV show. Uh, I don't I'm not sure I, we have no details on where or when or who or how, but uh, I think most of our information about this came from actually speaking with the artist slash writer at the uh, Emerald City Comic Con last weekend or two weekends ago. The actress who's playing Dina got cast. Oh. I can't remember her name right now. Really? Who's uh, that? I, I, I can't yeah, remember the actress's name. Good job being prepared for the no, show, jackass. Yeah, exactly. Fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll write more articles for you. I like I like this Andy because I can rag on Andy and he doesn't have any comebacks because he's like I, 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 I wrote you <sighs> articles. <laughs> okay. My brain it's melting and filled with goo at the moment. I need who booze. <laughs> hey, hey. That's sitting in front of you. You Look don't have that. much left, but you better do something with it. Spider-Man and his amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. Um, Look at all serious. So remember in the shed. that one? Uh, do you remember that one book that we all read? <laughs> <laughs> like at the same time, and we were going to talk about it. Uh, we, speak for yourselves. We, I I distinctly can be the cause of this problem. So I'm like, <laughs> Luke, there's this book. It's called The Six Gun. You seriously need to fucking read this right now. That is that was definitely the cause of this. It's what got me into reading it. Um, I was going to buy it in in individual issues, and I decided instead. Uh, I walked into Comics Dungeon, oddly enough, with my Groupons in hand, hey, yo. and they saw uh, Sixth Gun on their recommend. What? No, no, no. They had it. Comics Dungeon had it. Oh, okay. Comics Dungeon is one of the better shops in this area for actually being on the pulse of things and knowing what's good. Um, I know we talked about in episode zero a lot of the shops in this area. I've I've lost a little faith in a couple of the local shops because when I walked in to two and i won't name them because i don't want to be negative and i want to support like local comic shops as much as i can but when i walked into these two particular shops they had no fucking clue what six gun even was which disappoints me to some degree because if it's out there and people like it and clearly people like it because everybody that i know who likes comic books is into this comic book or has at least heard about it and said and told me that it was good um but yeah, when I, I walked in there with my group on and and I saw this and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna read it. And goddamn, it's good. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, it's what what I really like about it is it's not what you're used to reading, but it's not so different as to be pretentious mm-hmm. or you know too serious. Like, yes, there are serious parts in this book, but it does not necessarily take itself to be serious. And I don't sure. mean that in any sort of negative way. I mean it. Uh, Oh, God, Colin Bunn? 
Byrne? Colin, Colin Bunn. Bunn. Colin Bunn. Colin Bunn. And Brian Hurt have done a great job of having a fun time with the media that they're creating. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It is a, here, here's pulling one out of my ass, it is a slightly more serious Briscoe County Junior. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I can see, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, honestly. You know, the one thing I loved about this book is that it really draws you into the setting, because this mm-hmm. is obviously about gunslingers, late mm-hmm. 1800s, right after the Civil War, and they've taken this Old West setting and then brought in kind of the... Black magic, supernatural in, right. into it too, and the one thing is how it starts out. You can you can hear the the kind of nor, the narrator kind of like being this old crotchety old man, mm-hmm. like yeah. he's all wise. He's been out there in the old west. He knows the prairie, and he's just setting the setting for you. You know, and that's a, you know, and it sets the setting that you know. Okay, this is going to be old west. It's going to be austere. There's going to be six guns and and you know. Yeah. Prairie dogs and all that kind of stuff, and I imagine engines. this. I imagine and, and this and being engines. narrated by Sam Elliott. Yeah, that is Honestly, <laughs> it's like when I'm reading it, I'm like, stuff. oh, Sam Elliott's yeah. talking talking right now. Yeah, yeah. I think that abides. was a really good move of theirs to uh, to write in a narrator because this sort of tale is it's like an old west yarn. It really needs that narratorial voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it has a more universal appeal though because it's at heart and it's an artifact story. And like other artifact yeah. stories, like Lord of the Rings and technically Harry Potter yeah. and Indiana Jones are just like, they have an appeal. Yeah. We want to know what, what the these guns things, are going to mess with yeah, people. Exactly. Yeah, totally. I, I get the Lord of the Rings from that too, especially with the writers, you know, it seemed like the, the, his little lieutenants, I guess, were mm-hmm. like the writers of Rohan where these guys are some badass motherfuckers that you don't want to come across yeah. because right. if you do, you're going to end up one of their minions or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, and I did, you know, it's yeah, it's a great book. So, uh, so to, to explain to everybody what it's what it the premise is about, it's set like like Joel said, it's set right after the Civil War, um, or not too far after the Civil War. Why are you looking at me crazy, sir? I'm trying to remember what because it does say the year. I think it's four years after the Civil War. Yeah, somewhat. It, Whatever the yeah. the general Hume, who is the the main bad guy in the comic book, was a general in the Civil War, who somehow acquired these six revolvers that were in different ways. They were related to each other, but they were in different ways supernaturally uh, enhanced. Yeah. Uh, one of them grants uh, visions of the future. One of them grants immortality. One of them, when you f- when you shoot it, it fires with the force of a cannon. When you when another one, uh, when you fire it, it'll. Um, It'll turn somebody into a husk creature that will work as golem. your minion, a golem. Uh, another one will spread disease. And, and it burst into flame? And another one, yeah, you burst Shoots into flame. Fire. Oh, wait, flames no, of perdition. Because uh, the, the girl has yeah. the one, which the gr- that's immortality. That's the visions of the future. No, 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 the, gr- the visions of the future. Hume's wife is the one that has the one that grants immortality, And remember? creepy, creepy starfish okay. regeneration. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, 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 and she yeah, can, no like, doubt. regenerate. Um, Does it ever explain in the first arc how Hume comes back? No, it actually doesn't. It shows him coming back. But like never... they explain that he is somehow immortal. They don't explain why. Okay, um, because he doesn't have the gun in his possession anymore, and the owner technically ownership has been transferred to. Actually, no, his gun is not the one that grants immortality. His it's gun the is the one that grants one. visions of the future, the which was okay because uh, the girl's father, the preacher, yes, killed Hume, mm-hmm. and then he sent somehow his five minions that were left of the. Or his four minions? 
Five. Five. Technically, including his wife, it's five. It's four okay. Four riders and, and his, his wife. wife. Um, he sends them to go kill the preacher to get the, the gun back. The preacher dies. No, he does not. He's uh, His wife hires the Pinkertons. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Drake Sinclair is searching for the sixth gun, trying to find out, trying to find it. Um, in this, at the same time, uh, Drake uh, Hume's wife sends the Pinkertons to go find it from from the the preacher, the preacher and his daughter. Um, in the process, he shoots the preacher. The preacher dies. The Pinkertons shoot the preacher, and the daughter grabs the gun and shoots some people with it, and th- thus becoming the owner of the sixth gun. Finds okay. when picked up. The rest of the arc is. Her and Drake Sinclair meet up. He protects her. Hilarity ensues because they bring Hume, back. General Hume, back from the dead. His riders bring him back from the dead. And then, uh, as it's the rest of the story is Hume and the riders following Drake Sinclair. And then the story ends with a bit, big battle between the two of them. Showdown in the fortress. In the fortress. Okay. Yes. Okay. In the the, the maw. Can I say? So it's called, yeah, it's yeah. the maw. Can I say that? Monks with a Gatling gun, too fucking awesome. <laughs> yes, yes. Right. that was pretty awesome. <laughs> like there are certain bits and pieces that I love about this book. I love yeah. the tree that has the souls on it. Yeah. Yes, and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll burn this map. You know, when the I'm souls done. of everyone yeah, who exactly. was hung from the tree. Yeah. Yes, it's and so it, like good. he's walking That's away, and they're like, you said you'd burn it. He's like, yeah. What was yeah. the exact? Oh, I just read that today. The exact line is is like, you shouldn't be surprised because you know, you know the what future. kind of <laughs> you, you exactly. know the man I am. Exactly. Yeah. That was and, such an awesome line, like and. I love I yeah. I appreciate that our hero is a total asshole. Yeah. Drake Sinclair is a great character. Yeah, he is. Like you understand that he, you know, he was a he was not a good person mm-hmm. by any means, but he was doing that with a reason and he's trying to redeem himself. But you know what? He's still got that we'll call it the Han Solo element. Yep. Yes. yes. He's he's yes. definitely a scoundrel, you know. Here, here, here it is. Way I figure it though, this map will fetch a fair price from the right person and you ought not to be surprised. You are the oracles after all. And you know what kind of man I am. Yeah. I love yeah. that line. Like, the, like that's one of the things I love about this writing. It's 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 tombstone writing, right? Exactly. And it, it doesn't ever pull you out of the setting. And yes. That's the thing. And that's one of the things that it's an argument that I've always made about two movies that came out almost simultaneously, which was Tombstone and Wyatt Earp. Mm. Tombstone, an extremely entertaining movie that that diverges from actual history to some degree. Yeah. Uh, Wyatt Earp, an extremely historically accurate movie that is three hours of the most boring shit I've ever seen put on film. And when you see lines in Tombstone like "I'll be your Huckleberry," yeah. I'll be your Huckleberry, and you tell him I'm coming and Hal's coming with me. You right? You know the movie is fucking awesome, and those are the kinds of moments that you get out of this, right? Yeah. It, it's it's so the beauty of this though is that you don't have to worry about historical accuracy, right? No, <laughs> oh man, Doc Holliday's line about I've always wanted to explore the mysteries of the Catholic faith. Yeah, when he's like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, back to the sixth gun, though. The characterization. One of the things that I really like about it is when you read the book. If like hearing, okay, so hearing Luke say that line, I'm like, wow, that sounded really old timey. When I read the book, I didn't even think about that. I was so engrossed with just the way that people were speaking. I'm not. I'm not thinking about you know people talking in late 1800s or early mm-hmm. 1800s tones. Mm-hmm. I'm reading a book about people, you know, talking to each other i'm not that barrier has been completely removed and i am engrossed in the story yes yeah and and also cullen he's from he's from that's his last name right cullen no bun Bun. is his last name okay he's got two last names yeah he's from he's from north carolina and he lives in st louis Uh, the Mm. guy lives in the the south you know or the west 
or just that kind of country that just never gave up the Civil War. Yeah. You know. This show is going to be a lot of us gushing over this because I don't think there's a whole lot of disagreement on the fact that it's a well-written and well-illustrated mm. story. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that surprised me about the book is the art style. Uh, the art style... I do not like icons. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I looked at it, when I first picked up the trade and I was flipping through it, I was kind of put off by the art style at first glance, right? And it was... It looks... And this is the way it, it looks to me anyway. It looks very like 40s or 50s, 50s comic strip. I'm thinking like mm-hmm. Blondie, Blondie and Dick Dagwood, Tracy. Dick yeah. Tracy kind More of Dick kind Tracy. of yeah, art style, definitely. right? And and I didn't think I didn't think so much of it. I was like look, flipping through, and I'm like, ah, me, okay. I, I've been I've heard good things, and I heard the writing's really good. And then the more I got in the book, the more I realized that the art style fits so well mm-hmm. and and the the artist uh Brian Hurt. Brian Hurt does so much with so little right he he's very minimalist mostly in his art style and he he conveys action and emotion so well with the these kind of almost cartoony looking characters and yet they're put in a serious environment and you never ever feel like it's less serious than it is so, right I've seen, uh, to go off on a tangent for a second, I've seen the black and white pages, and a lot of that cartooniness comes from the colorist, and I think it's perfect, but, uh, A, I know he's never going to hear this, but Brian Hurt is the nicest person I have ever met. Really? Uh, I met him on the last day of Emerald City, and like you could tell he was tired, but you know what? He still was just like friendly, talking about his stuff, and another thing that i got to say positive about him, this book's come out every month, on time. No! Wow. Holy shit! Nice. Did you, did you just say that? Oh yeah. No, okay. like I'm I'm used to like reading something by um, War uh, War Heroes so. by Mark Millar. Uh, it's been three years since issue one came out. Issue two came out a month later. Issue three was two years later. So the guys. So so what you're saying is that hey. Brian Hurt has never actually met Joe Matariera. Oh, <laughs> Battle chasers. Oh, shot on them. <laughs> Uh, you were going to oh, say no, something. I was just going to say, uh, Andy, I thought you weren't going to bring up Millar. I, I'm not going to recommend him. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe that's right. I'll, I'll, I'll bring him up shit all day. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He, I know. I, oh, I know he did. Oh, he but uh, no, but like, so as a, to go back to the original subject, yeah. Brian Hurt does some amazing work. If you get a chance to check out his black and white panels, like I, he sells his stuff online. Um, it's really reasonably priced and amazing, but he was so friendly and he's really I, I cannot uh, when I was talking to him he was said that they've got an overall arc set up the whole story is going to go for 47 issues what they've got penned out mm-hmm. and it's going to be um, 11 issues a year they're going to take one month off every year I can't remember I think he said July or something like that for and they're going to have for Hanukkah in July <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, right. Christmas in July right so yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they're going to have a guest artist do one issue a year interesting um, huh. And they're trying to get the same guy. He hasn't done anything before. What I'm really hoping is that that guest issue will be a it's like a, it's a side story it's or a, something. It's a side that's story not, that will okay. tie in. Okay. Um, it's not. It's not going to be like, like maybe. Maybe. Oh God! How cool would it be? Forty-seven issues. You're saying five years at eleven issues each, yep. roughly. How cool would it be if he covered the like the backstories of each of the writers? I think that that would be, be so that'd fucking be awesome. awesome. Well, and, and just the whole crew itself. You know, yeah, yeah. Because the one thing about Drake is that he's he's he didn't start out 
as a scoundrel. I mean, he was a guy that was just fighting for his He was his a Confederate soldier, and he, he was, was kind of a bastard. Well, yeah, but he was killing people. That That's what you do in a war, right? Sure. Which, okay, yeah. that's... okay. But he was uh, vicious enough to attract Hume's attention. Uh, he survived. He was, yeah, he was, he was a... Uh, Guerrilla, it was like guerrilla warfare, right. pretty yeah. much. Yeah, but to go back to the whole, he was a scoundrel because he worked for the Confederacy. I'm nah. not going to bring up this whole hotbed too terribly much, <laughs> but just because he was on that side doesn't necessarily mean that you know he was a supporter no. of that. But yeah. he wanted to live, yeah. right? Well, not to mention the fact that that it, it, it's an interesting character arc for him in my mind because you, you brought up the whole Han Solo thing and and yeah. he's got that kind of feel to him. But what interests me is that you see his backstory where he has already had his redemption moment. He is he was he was a nasty fucker when he was under Hume's command and then there was a point where Hume stepped over the line and it got too even too much for this guy who was a nasty fucker. Yeah. So not only did he step away, but he then turned around and figured out a way to get rid of the person who who drove even him over the line. Right. And then he did that which in most stories would be the redemption moment, right? Yeah. It's just the Where, beginning of this. And yeah. in this yeah. story, it's the beginning of him, and he's still kind of a nasty fucker, but he's more just not really nasty as much as he's just kind of selfish. He's like just out for his own good, and he wants to, he, he just like doesn't give a shit about other people at, at the beginning of this story. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. He, he eventually gets there, but... Um, we will be forced it, by circumstances to give a shit. Yeah. I, I, was just, I think really that, um, and this is just my two cents, I think that he real there's you know a key moment that happens right before this starts where you know he realizes oh my god these people have gone too far and he has an end goal in sight and he is willing to sacrifice anything to achieve that end goal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. if that makes him you know a little bit morally gray so be it i'm he- glad he's morally gray it's much more compelling than a good guy or a bad guy yeah yes. exactly exactly he can jump in between the two be a bad guy and a good guy I, I you know I really I really don't see him being I mean he is a scoundrel but he is a scoundrel with a heart because if he was a totally bad person he wouldn't have his his buddy who was you know oh, the f- what okay never mind the, sorry nope um his what is oh I'm trying I'm trying to find oh, his name yeah with who, a hat who basically is he is he like a Western Chewbacca <laughs> no, <laughs> no he totally is <laughs> yeah. no seriously and and then. And then you have they have the princess too. You know, it's it's kind of the hero story. But if he was a bad person, he would have Bill shot John him. O'Henry. Bill John, thank you. Yes, awesome. Um, he would have shot. He would have shot the girl and taken the gun for himself if he wanted to. Yes, you know, if he really was going. I think. Oh look, a distraction. <laughs> no, but honestly, <laughs> he got a gun. If you look at it, he didn't know he was going for the sixth gun. You know, because he was told by the tree, "This is where you need to go in order yeah. to get the treasure." And then when he got there, he's like, "Oh." Fuck! It's the priest, you know, or the preacher, yeah. you know, and then maybe the girl is the treasure. I hope it's not that cliche. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Damn it! Oh god! <laughs> but <laughs> five years from now, we're going to be doing this, and like Luke's going to be like, "Hey, Andy, do you remember when you said the uh, the girl was the treasure? And you were right. Yeah, she being the treasure." So. Anyway, continue. Sorry. So anyway, but I'm trying to figure out where where the hell is this going because it's called the sixth gun, but he's already got five of them. So is the rest of the whole five years just chasing after one gun? That's why you have to keep reading the goddamn. Yeah. Reality. Well, I th- I think it's yeah. I, I don't know where it's going to end because technically, the si- so I guess the sixth gun is Hume's gun, right? Is the one yeah. that the girl is carrying. Okay. So that's l- l- let's go down the list. The wife of the general has one. Mm-hmm. She had four henchmen. Which all had one. Right. 
and then the preacher slash daughter and the preacher then slash daughter had one and that was Hume's gun so that's the sixth I he mean, does not have one of the guns well he's got he's got five out of six right no he's got four he's got four oh. out of six yeah Which, yeah who escaped the wife the wife yeah okay. the wife so the so starfish. two right yeah. starfish and that's something we should also cover in the in the storyline and one of the things one of the other things that I've really enjoyed about this story is that the 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 plotting of it is very tight. It's very just like there's there's no bullshit, right? There's no there's no extra crap surrounding yeah. the story that's un, that's useless. There's it's like there's it's point to point to point and it flows really well. The pacing is really good. Um and in this first arc, uh Drake Sinclair, you know, he finds the girl, he protects the girl and then proceeds to find ways like they talk about him how you know he he talks about how he didn't ever want to pick up one of the guns because he knew that they corrupted the people that they that they touched or mm-hmm. that touched them and eventually he gets to a point where he in my opinion he realizes just how fucking dangerous the guns are and realize this is this is my own interpretation of this first arc he realizes that he's the only person that has the wherewithal t- to handle that corruption sure. mm. and would rather it not be on anybody else's soul so he starts killing off the riders and taking their guns over and over and over again you know the first one he kills just out of surprise the and then from that point forward he starts using their guns against them yeah and uh old west mega man exactly (laughs) that's actually a shockingly accurate description uh i really enjoyed that part of the story especially here's here's spoiler like major spoiler number one the part where bill john dies where you know bill john was always reluctant through the whole fucking beginning of the story to even be involved in the first place and then uh, you know he gets involved in the shit that he finally knows is going to be his end and he's almost there and he's fine he finds a way to be like you know what i can i can still be useful so make me useful and yeah and he took out the baddest mofo that is out of the whole four Mm -hmm. you know I mean, the guy killed a Thunderbird with just one shot. Dude, yeah. I love the Thunderbird. Dude, the yeah. Thunderbird yeah. is awesome. Yeah. It was fantastic. Like, so re- I, reading it as monthlies, unlike you guys, like the I think it's the end of issue three where there's like the silhouette of the Thunderbird. Right. Yeah. And like I, d- I had no idea what was going to happen. I was like, What the hell is in this game? Is that a hippogriff? What? <laughs> <laughs> but the whole they went the wrong way through the the spirit country. Right. Like a side story in their way to the mall was fantastic yeah. yeah and i i'm always i'm sorry go ahead oh no it, well one thing i gotta say is that it shows you how drake is using his wits because he he took them through that path because he knew the thunderbird was there and then he knocked down all the markers that said you know turn around stupid ass you're gonna get eaten by this thunderbird he knocked those down because he knew he was drawing them into a trap and with with Hume coming in there with his whole big army, he's more he's more conspicuous than three than people. Drake, yeah, than Drake who knows how to hide. So he's going to draw them in there, hide for a little bit, and the Thunderbolt's probably going to eat them all up. But um, it just shows how smart smart the character is that he can use his wits and not just his muscle in order to get himself out of a, a yeah. tussle. Hey, he's, he's, yeah, he's well written smart too yeah. he's, mm-hmm. he's not like Mr. Fantastic who's like oh the solution to the antimatter problem is that we need to bring Galactus blah, into this blah, universe blah 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 my solution to every problem is blah 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 deus ex machina blah 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 you know they, they, okay it's a great book 
Can I just have, <laughs> have you guys gotten that that point from me? It's it's great. It seemed like you liked it. I, I I'm just a skosh. Oh, yeah. I I, th- I think I probably recommended this book to about fifteen people now. I don't think I can like name a name of someone who wasn't like this is a really good book. Yeah. Mm. At worst. Well, I'm happy. I'm happy that that's what we're starting the show with. Too is, is a book that that one. It's clear that it it doesn't have as wide of a of a distribution or of a of a fan base as, as a lot of other yeah, stuff. Oni, right? Yeah, it's only because I did walk into two comic shops locally that didn't know what the fuck it was. It's on issue nine. They didn't know what the fuck it was. It's been around for almost a year. And uh, she'd been like, "Have you seen this big?" It's called a book, and it's by Diamond. Yeah, there are comics <laughs> listed in it. They come out every week, normally on Wednesdays. They're delivered to you on Tuesdays. Yeah, and uh, but it, it's a good it's a good place to start because I'm sure that I'm I. If anybody has ever listened to After the Fact, I am definitely one of the guys that recommends the shit games too. So I, I I'm one of the guys when we review we review stuff. Occasionally, Andy's the dumbass that reviews like it was, Urban Champion. It was a joke, okay? But, <laughs> but but we're gonna get into to stuff that's crap. Like, and there there's stuff that I will definitely be ragged on for thinking is crap. Like I. I like we're gonna read Hush at some point, and I'm gonna rag on that book because I fucking hated it. We're not gonna um, read Hush. We will never read Hush. Anything by Chris Claremont, I'm gonna fucking shit all over. <laughs> Youngblood. Um, oh Jesus Christ! Um, but this, I forgot what my fucking point was. This I was actually that, going somebody. This book is we universally all like liked. It. it is. Yeah, good. It, it is but universally we're gonna cover liked. Bad. Bad books too. Yeah, yeah. Um, We're gonna rake shit through the mud. I, I want to make you guys read weird stuff and uh, see what you think of it. There, there, okay. <laughs> there are two things. I won't make you read Neil Gaiman unless you really want to. <laughs> I know. I, I have read everything that he's written. Okay. I hate all of it. Even sixteen oh two. Especially sixteen oh two. Okay, we're gonna have to do sixteen oh two then because I actually really liked sixteen oh two. Yes, yeah. I liked I've, it. I've never read Gaiman, but I, I know that there are people that like him and people that don't like him. He is a polarizing figure. And we have both here. He yeah. is a wonderful author for books. Yeah. I do not think his stuff translates to comics. It's it's just that simple. Okay, so back to sixth gun. Uh, Topics. What I'm we so we have something to talk about on this show? Oh yeah. my god! Uh, there there were two two things um, two st- things about this that I really wanted to bring up. One of which was I have always really liked, especially in story arcs that intend to go longer than just you know this this first arc. I really really like the stories that introduce a big bad of some sort in this case it's general hume way to use a buffy reference yeah right and then at the end of that arc they kill him off spoilers and it turns out that one of his lieutenants was actually the one you had to worry about I like that particular that i know it's 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 actually gotten getting to the point where it's almost becoming a cliche but it's one of the types of story arcs that i, I really enjoy i don't think hume's dead no, he's I, not. I don't think he is killed either. killed him once and it didn't take. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. They wrapped him up with some chains, tossed him in a coffin, then threw him in the ground. Threw him in a well in the middle of a, a of monk, a monk <laughs> yeah. monastery. Consecrated ground was the okay. only reason. And that, and that was the one thing that was kind of surprising to me was that I, it, Hume obviously came back from the dead, <clears throat> really didn't like the monks, they, the whole cold steel chains being kept in them. That was mm-hmm. awesome. 
uh, towards the end. So I thought all these guys were supernatural. So when his horse riders, I thought were you know like the four horsemen. No, they're just dudes. Yeah, they yeah, they totally had four horsemen. One guy's got a metal fucking chest, but they're 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 dudes though. He's got a shitty gun too. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But I you know I and when they when it turns out that they're actually they're real, and if you shoot them in the head, they die. You know, that was kind of surprising to me. You know, and he started collecting the guns. Though it was awesome that he started collecting the guns and then using them against Hume himself. He got he got the first gun using an Ewok tactic, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> the guy gets knocked off his horse by a swinging log. Yeah. So good. <laughs> so Never good. underestimate the Ewoks. <laughs> exactly. What is your favorite part about this book what do you what makes you say this is good i mean is it the writing it's i mean is it uh brian hurt's art is it just the ideas is it where you think it's going what do you like most about it joel go oh what do i what do i like the most i i just like the i like the setting okay personally i like the old west i like the whole idea of old west i actually watched 310 to yuma and thought it was good it's fantastic. good movie i love you know, that movie so i i just like the whole idea about the west and now how everything is not civilized and then have a yarn in that that is like like ann was saying an artifact tale where they're chasing artifacts and it had a big bad that kind of a lot reminded me of the mummy you know where it was this big baddie that's chasing after everybody trying to resuscitate himself and then all the different characters that were really good and really well well written um and good character development at that too where how the plot unfolded uh it was just a solidly written book you know there are some books that you read and they kind of leave you cold at the end is like okay i i don't really like that ending you just kind of ran out of pages and uh, okay let's end it here and uh, where they actually set it like up like everything by cross chin yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> just wow sorry continue oh but uh, you know and i also i even like the fact that at the end of it where everybody was set up and the big bad is dead that they had coming in the next issue and they had like little, little scenes from the comic book coming like little teasers Coming that it was just a well crafted book. So I still haven't actually read the trade. I've just read the singles. So yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. Hi. Oh, really? Check this out. For uh, serious. Yeah. So at the at the end it shows it shows what's coming up in the end. Oh yeah, and Yeah, but don't don't say that part. What? That's from Arc Two. That is from Arc Two? I think so. Right. It, is it? I'm is talking it? I'm talking about that. When she has the okay. visions yeah. into the future mm-hmm. of, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, you know, they're coming. Okay. Um, good stuff. Yeah. And, um, I second a, a lot of what Joel is saying, but I also have to say that one of the things that drew me in was the, the character and characters and the moral ambiguity thereof. Like, I really appreciate the character, main character, whose name I'm forgetting. Drake. Drake. With the hat. Yep. Um. Francis Drake. <laughs> Wait. No, that's no. a guy Drake that Sinclair. things. Sorry. Uh, I, was, I, was, I had Uncharted on the brain uh, and okay, it just right. went downhill from there. Um, I, I like Drake a lot, um, just because... Of his moral ambiguity, I also really liked Hume's wife as a villain. I think she's, she's fantastic. She's, fantastic. she's a bitch. She's yeah. a, she's a bitch. She's hard as steel, and she has great motivation, and uh, is 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 pure starfish regenerating evil. It's and um, <laughs> as much as she's not a very strong force in this novel, I do like the preacher's daughter because I feel like 
she's being set up well for uh, expansion, expansion, and being like put into situation. I mean, already she's put into a bunch of situations that fuck with her as a person. Yeah, and I, I like the two main characters having these guns that will slowly corrupt them and turn them evil. I, that's a great setup. It's like a race almost. Um, so <laughs> he's gonna win. He's got more wh- guns. While Luke's getting back, I'm going to uh, simply say one of the things I really like about it is it's using the Josh Whedon bad guy of the the season episode. If you look at um, as an overline arc, you've got the six gun, and then you've got the first trade, which is a story, and there is a distinct like villain, mm-hmm. and it seems like the, I'm not gonna go spoilers really, but the second arc is the exact same way, nice. and I think it's gonna, that's gonna be the formula. You're gonna have a six or seven issue arc or however many issues where there is the next threat and that's going to carry through whatever, but they're going to be all interrelated and it really works because if you just read the first trade, pretty much that is a story that you can end. Like yeah. you oh, can yeah. end it at that point be like, okay, Hume got stopped. Yeah. But, and it's got setups and things that are left dangling, but they're not immediately dangerous yeah so you can kind of be like okay that's an awesome story yeah yeah luke what's your favorite thing (sighs) the characterizations easily like especially um i i like i like stories that have kind of a a a scooby gang to bring another buffy term into it you know a, a, a team of people that that all have kind of wildly differing personalities but are drawn into a situation because they're forced into it, right? Um, and this one, like Sinclair, Sinclair has a very... <clears throat> I like the characterizations because everybody in this book has a very definitive arc where they actually grow to some degree between beginning and end of this. Even this short six-issue mm-hmm. six arc, everybody has a growth arc. Um Sinclair, you know, kind of goes from just being a treasure hunter to realizing that there's something bigger that he has to, that he's the only guy that can deal with. Uh, I, fuck, I can't remember character names. What's the chick's name? Um, anyway, the the main girl in the book. Uh, Moncrief? Moncrief is her last name. Yeah. Anyway, she she goes from, from helpless, I, helpless, I hate being thrown into this, you know, kind of, kind of damsel in distress to... Well, fuck! I got to deal with this kind of situation. Yeah, it's right? it's one of those things where she doesn't have a choice. So she's like, "Okay, I don't have a choice in this matter. I'm going to have to either learn to protect myself or get gunned down." E- yeah. Exactly, and, and she does so too. You know? Yeah, and then and then Bill John definitely has the the. I'm just a goofy gambler guy who happens to carry around shotguns and kill people every once in a while, like and you? then. And then toward the end, you know, he's he kind of he's the reluctant one. He's always like, "Oh God, why am I being? Why am I doing this?" Well, because it means something. Oh, blah blah. And then by the end, he's like, he's like, you know, don't let me go out like a chump. You know, yeah. let me let me do something good. And you you know, he's going to continually show up because he got turned into one of the husk creatures. Spoiler, but uh, and I don't know. It's like even even. Uh, Hume's wife has a decent like character arc in it where she she's still just kind of a two dimensional baddie, um, not as two dimensional as Hume though. Um, <laughs> let me like, let me give you Hume's one dimensional. <laughs> no, Hume's arc is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, no, no. Hume's arc. Uh, iron chains. Uh, I'm dead again. Yeah. Oh, and then. They bring in the um, Bill John's replacement guy, the big, the big black dude at the end, uh, 
who they, I, I like the oh, fact did that he, he follow them. Or? Yeah, he he's with them in That's the hotel at the end of the arc, and uh, is kind I of who's carrying on with them. Next, <laughs> so, I know I went there. So, but uh, by this logic, if someone dies in the podcast, Joel, it's going to be you, right? Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> that's, that's the reason why I'm here, right? <laughs> it's only obvious. Oh God. But yeah, I mean, that's a long way of me saying it's the characterizations that really make the book for me. I like the setting. It's cool. I like the story. It's, it's, the story is, is very simple, in all honesty, um, in a good way. This, a lot of writers tend to think that simplicity is bad when in actuality, if, if simplicity is awesome when handled mm-hmm. right. Um, it, complexity does not mean better story. Um, but the characterizations and the character arcs and the, and the way that they kind of portray everybody in the book. I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens to them next, which doesn't happen in a lot of books. It's the same, th- same reason why I like walking dead and invincible, right? Kirkman does a really good job of, of characterizing the people in his book because invincible could be a very kind of, it, it comes across almost dumb sometimes. Some of the yeah. things that he throws into the book, but the characters are so interesting that it makes it worth reading. And that's that's why I like this, too, except without the whole dumb part. Okay. Now I'm going to go uh, back to Joel. And I'm, Joel, I'm going to well, ask. No, no, wait, wait, no, no, wait. wait. Well, I, I already answered what my favorite part was. You have? Yeah, the fact that the, it goes with the Buffy formula of the fact that there is oh, a, a main a threat. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about I, the next one. I tend one. to tune you out, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so and do my listeners. We're but, uh, back. Okay. So uh, I want to talk about things you didn't like. One thing you did not like. For me... Uh, I thought that it sort of wrapped up almost a little bit too conveniently. Um, like when they get to, like they get to the mall, shit goes down, and then it's over. I really expected that to go on just a little bit longer. Mm. I mean, this is just my two cents, and that is probably the only complaint that I can give. Okay, so Bef- before you yeah. you talk about your thing, I want I want to counter that for a minute and say that I, I there was part of I partially felt that way myself, and I don't think I feel almost like that was less a, a writing issue and more of a a, a pacing in the layouts where mm-hmm. it did feel like th- when I went back and kind of read through the the last arc again. You, if you force yourself to kind of slow down and kind of ruminate on the art a little bit and 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 take it in a little slower, it doesn't feel quite so choppy. But but the first time I read through it, I felt the same way. It was like it was like this huge epic battle, and then all of a sudden, and it's done. And part of this could be, I will, you know, I'll say part of it could be from the fact that I read it as when I read the first six issues, I didn't realize that it was going to be ongoing. I thought it was going to be a six issue. You know, six issues Single and it's run. done. Maybe it's yeah. the sixth gun. Six issues totally makes sense. Right? It distinctly ended at that point. I'm like, okay, so but instead it's 47. Yeah, it's 47. How I'm, the fuck I'm, does that make sense? I'm thrilled, fucking thrilled. Uh, but so I felt like the first two issues were okay. Set up. Second two issues, we got engines here, and oh my god, there's a Griffin. The last two issues, the Maw. You know, they, they get they they throw the ring into the Mount Doom, and it's done. And I was like, oh. And then I, uh, I'd put it on my pull list from issue one because one of my guys at my store recommended it. And so, you know, a month later, I was like, you know, blah, 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 just going to pick up my books. And I'm like, six, what do you mean the six gun number seven? What? This is amazing. I am thrilled. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess that is like the pacing would be my complaint. And it's very minor considering that it's going to be 47 issues. I'm fine with them getting rid of this, you know, initial bad guy because I know he's going to come back. 
I, you what? know that he's going to be. No, a, he went into the coffin. Right. So, so just like before, and then they put his him wife got the, away. <laughs> yeah, and and she oh, was she's like was oh I was crazy I, worm creature version of the wife. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I got defeated. Okay, <laughs> you guys, you're the good guys. You obviously win. I'm just gonna go and knit. Story's over. The end. Run the credits. All right, We're Joel, your turn. Oh, what what I didn't like? Just just something you don't. I, I, mine just is trivial. I didn't like. Uh, I thought it was kind of easy how we got. He's collecting all these guns, you know. So these guns are supposed to be these mystical things, and basically. My whole thing is about the guns. So he's collecting all these guns. They seem to be all so powerful, but yet he can collect them all, and more than one person can wield them. So why didn't Hume just hold all the guns to begin with? You know, or or something like that. I thought it was too easy how he collected them, but of course, there's probably going to be some story arc where it shows how these guns are going to change him in one way uh, or another. But and then also that these guns are like some ancient evil. That and they don't really give the background on how that how Hume the guns didn't show take up. one of the guns, did he? From no. the get go, no. it was his five lieutenants and his wife. No, he took one. Yeah, he did. He, he did. took he the he the took the future one. seeing one. Yeah, and the preacher took the one that the preacher oh, had. and then the preacher. Wait, yeah, the preacher. The preacher killed him and then took the future seeing. Okay, guns. the wife took the one that was meant for Sinclair. Yeah. Right, and, and okay. keep, yeah. keep in mind that the the preacher never actually touched the gun. That was the point. He put it in he, a box. He had it got on his he, bedside. He somehow put it in a box so that he was never actually the owner. Are you, okay, are you sure about that? He never touched. Maybe it? I mean it, I think it's it was, or maybe he touched it and that's what was making him sick. Oh, that, you know, and that the, the fact that well, he had it in the box, and that's why he was it sick. It is pure evil. So, and and then kind of spoiler alert: I got kind of a, a feeling that this is an ancient evil, a lot like powers, and we're going to see monkey sex here pretty soon, or something. I don't know. That's <laughs> that's, that's something else. But you know that it was some kind of like um, ancient evil. Yeah, because they show that they show the one from generation scene generation. with the crusaders that all had swords with the same marks. Okay, yeah. And this brings me to my one nitpick with the <laughs> book. Is it has the crusaders with the swords that have the same like little inset jewel and before them like cavemen with clubs that have the same little inset jewel. I'm like, for some of this it works. Seeing visions of the future, you can do that if you're holding a club and a, or a sword. Firing with the force of a cannon? Yeah. Or hmm. flames. That club was like hitting someone with a tree. Okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, I guess I don't know. Yeah. It, it, that was or, a little bit like so I, it came out of the the dream. Maybe the powers were different depending on the form of the actual weapon. That's true. My club is made of stone. Know, My club is made of steel. My club is made of bronze. My club is made of iron. <laughs> My club is Something. made of unobtainium. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and that's the funniest thing is that out of this book, the one thing I had a problem with was the guns and it's called the sixth gun you know but the fu- and that's another funny thing is that it wasn't really about the guns i mean the guns are there it is the sixth gun and they mm-hmm. do drive the storyline but that's kind of the macguffin where it's all about the the yeah. characters nice term uh thank you somebody yeah. told me about it some <laughs> no i understand i like but, it but you know they're, they're just there as kind of plot devices to carry the story along mm-hmm. and it's, it's all the, about the, the suitcase in in the Quentin Tarantino movies, right? you know, it's the same okay. thing. And before we move to Anne, you're next. Yeah, what do you I guys? Sort of what do you guys sorry. think? No, that's that's cool. That's cool. What do you guys think is in the seal? What what is in oh, the suitcase? Uh, in the, Isn't it yeah. all the armies of hell? Is it? Uh, I would. What they say? I don't. Yeah. I don't know. That's 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 the one thing. I mean, before I get into what I don't like, what I do like is that they've set this up in such a way that that there's. 
you don't really know, right? I believe that they're going to it's going to be a treasure that molds itself to whoever has the wherewithal to open the seal in the first place, right? For Hume, it's a key to unlock his chains. <laughs> no, no, for Hume it would have been all of the armies of hell, right? Because that's what he wanted. He wanted oh, he wanted to draw something forth that would have temptation. Exactly, yeah. and and for for Drake, it would be untold wealth, okay. right? And then for for the wife, if she unlocked it, it would be uh, immortality with no restrictions. You know, something to that effect. But what was, what was the the one catch all to her ability? She had to hold the gun. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. They didn't really say because one of the things that they that they did with her ability that that didn't make sense. Maybe it was holding the gun because they 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 show the scene where you know she's holding the gun and her hand gets cut off and the hand holding the gun gets cut off and the part of her the rest of her that's left turns back into the old woman before she was holding the gun and the hand holding the gun regenerates like a worm into a, a new version of her basically. Yeah. So. Um, they didn't really go into much detail about like what the weakness was, what the you know the one exception. I'm sure we'll find that out later because I mean, otherwise you're just gonna sh- like if I had a gun like that, I would continually chop my own hand off and make a whole fucking army of me, you know. But but she would of, have of old one-armed people Luke's? in her army. Is is that really what you want? One armed Luke's. A whole army of one-armed loose. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because if I can make billions of them, it doesn't really fucking matter, right? Quick, run up this ladder. <laughs> we'll get away from all of them. <laughs> <laughs> An army of Luke's slowly yeah. holding on to like, bars with their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I still got one good hand, fucker. Yeah, but how do you move up? <laughs> Very slowly. Yeah. My... my God, I... You know... It, I'm trying to back off and look at it from a perspective where I can find a, a negative, critic. It, it's a, a hard. critical. It really is. It's, it's really it's the it's so tightly scripted and so well handled. I think my biggest problem was Jesus Christ. What is my biggest problem? So, do you want us to start? You go, <laughs> go right ahead. Well, you, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I've ever like, seen you in a hat other than that one that you're wearing oh, right now. Really? Yeah. I I just don't. I don't know. I, I didn't like. I didn't like the little pro- epilogue at the end too much. Um, I thought it was a little too, like, convenient. Convenient and hackneyed to to just like throw this. I think they have the whole thing plotted. Okay. And they might add or take away something depending on you know just how it actually fills the panels or whatnot. But when I was uh, talking to Brian about it, he really just was like. You know, we took a year and we, you know, we plotted out from start to finish where we wanted the arcs to be, what we yeah. wanted them, and then, you know, went from there. Seems so, like a good way to go. That's the way it should yeah. be. Yeah. That's the, those are the types of, and that's one of the things, I'm sitting here trying to think of a negative and I can't because it's got all the things that I really like in stories. It speaks to me. It's one of those ones that I'm just like, okay, this is. This is what I what I crave out of a storyline, and if they have plotted out forty seven issues, then that's fucking awesome because I love the fact that they would set aside and be like, "This is how we want it to start, and this is how we want it to end," and everybody else journey. can, and here's a journey, and and all everything else can go to hell, right? I I hate to sound like 
you know, you ask. I understand why you asked the question, right? Yeah. But it can't there be just time- a giant circle jerk of us all going. This yeah. is the best book ever. Well, and and but that's that's my problem is that I sit here and I try and think of the things that I didn't like and I can't really because there's so part of the one of my positives was that it's so tightly plotted and so like the script is so tight that when I'm sitting here reading through a script that's that tight, there's very little for me to pick apart, you know? Hume's beard is kind of gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do I don't like the feather in Bill John's hat. Hey, Fuck Luke, that. There you go. Luke, do you want us to just leave you with the book for a while? You know? Yeah. I'm, I, I'm if you okay. want to rub one off, that's fine. We'll time. just turn around. I got, I, speak I, for I, yourself. I'm going to get the fuck out of here if that's what's going on. <laughs> we'll hey, the chick comes out of a bathtub at the end. I'm okay. I'm good. <laughs> uh, anyway. No. No, so I, what you're I, saying is you like it. I really like yeah. it. Yeah, I really like it's it. Good stuff. Maybe in future episodes I'll come up with okay, a reason so why. Now here's uh, my something question. I dislike, but right now I can't think of anything. I've heard that these guys have written a book before this called The Damned. The Damned. Okay. Is it any good? Have you read it? Yeah. It's no, it was like Prohibition era or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Like okay, I I will be the first to admit that I probably read way too much for my own good. <laughs> no uh, such thing. No, really. Okay, except it, maybe in it your gets case, it but. blends together after a while. I don't remember anything strikingly amazing about it. Is my problem? Okay, it just it's not. It is not the sixth gun, at all. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. Well, it, because one of the one of the things that I really liked about this book is that it wasn't from kind of an era that has been done before. I mean, there there have been old west comic books. Not not many of them. That there have been rawhide kid. There have been ones <laughs> done before, but you know, not well or not with this supernatural theme. So if it's yeah, the, if it's from like a different era and it's done well and it's interesting and it's different, it's good. You know, the supernatural western is something that is severely underrated and underutilized. Yeah. I, 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 it's a, it's an era that I love. Especially when you like, I, I'm a fan of westerns to some degree. But when you add a supernatural element to it, yeah. I mean, that's that's amazing. Like, I I was a big fan of Deadlands, like um, as a genre. Not mm. none of the games that came out of Deadlands were really any good, but the genre and the world that they created for it was really fucking cool. Cold Irons was that another one? <clears throat> yeah, I vaguely remember that. Briscoe County Junior. I fucking love that show. Yeah. Uh, most people hated it. I it didn't get good ratings. I've got it on D- I own it on DVD because I loved it every yeah. minute of it. So I, I want to draw a parallel. But that's because when I was a kid, I had a humongous crush for Dixie Cousins, though. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to draw a, I want to draw a parallel. <laughs> uh, like, I'm in a room full of guys. I is in that genre. Thank you. I was going to say Space that. Space Cowboys. Yeah, Space Cowboys. Cowboys. Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop. Cow- totally. Yes. I yeah. don't like Cowboy Bebop. Oh, that's true. Now, now that I'm thinking about it. Is this is this one of these things where it's going to reach a tipping point with cowboys? Because I know that they have the movie like Cowboys versus Aliens or something like that. <laughs> yeah. that, yes! that was a comic book, and then there was what? Uh, okay, there is a comic book of Cowboys versus Aliens. I don't think that the comic book came out before the movie was started. Oh no, it wasn't. The comic book came out before the movie, right? I don't think so. I think it did. I think the movie started and then they did a comic book oh, so they could God say forbid. based on the comic book because everyone who's making movies is like, oh my God, comic books, they're the new great yeah. idea, kick ass, Scott oh. Pilgrim, herper derper 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 der. The movie. Yeah. Okay, so it, it seems like we might... make derp the movie. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh no, it's Herpaderp, run! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Alien honestly, versus Predator versus Herpeter <laughs> <laughs> in space. World War Herpeter. <laughs> oh 
Jesus. Okay, I'm going to pitch this, guys. You know, <laughs> and I'm not going to include you on it at all. We're going to make Aww. millions. Um, <laughs> Get Mark Millard to like, write a script for you. You're <laughs> yeah, golden. Yes. We're done. As, as, as he's rolling around, I'll be like, excuse me, Mark Millard, I know you're like rolling around in piles of money like some sort of foul-mouthed Uncle Scrooge, but can you do me a favor and just say that you wrote this real quick because I want to get this green light? No, no, I'm just going to put Mark Millard, but it's Mark Alfred Goff, sir. <laughs> get Alfred Goff in there, get it a rewrite by Akiva Goldsman or something, and you're golden. <laughs> <laughs> and then have Michael Bay produce it. There's- Coming this fall, herpa derp, herpa. <laughs> and then it's just a photo of an explosion from like seventeen different angles In with the slow word motion. Yeah, slow motion, like quick ones. You know, there's two guys like dro- jumping away, and they've got herpa derp on their shirts, and that's all it is. That is the entire movie. Oh. So before we before we get too far off topic, let's uh let's let's wrap up. I think we've wrapped up the six gun. We all love it. If you aren't reading it right now, it's go okay. read There's it. There's nothing wrong with it. There's, There's really nothing, nothing wrong with it. I am stretching to be like, well, the over, you know, the arc of the first storyline. They've of even like got a twelve. Is, whatever. Uh, they've even got a decent price on the uh, on the trade. So how, so how much was the trade? It was nineteen ninety nine for six issue trade. I think that's, that's, that's cheaper than I paid for the singles. That's reasonable. Um, well, that would be yeah, three bucks, three bucks per. So yeah, that would be cl- pretty close. Um, you can. That's the only t- no, two ways the, you can get it. I think the singles it. are four. Holy shit, they are four. So yeah, yeah so twenty bucks, about even. No, twenty four bucks. Twenty four. Yeah, yeah. yeah, math is hard. <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm just gonna say this one more time. Oh my god, just go. If you like comic books, if you like westerns, if you like supernatural stuff, if you like good writing, if you like good art, if you enjoy <laughs> any of these things, if you're slightly bored and want something that will blow your mind, read the Sixth Gun. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in here just because I- eventually there will be more to to add. In this particular instance, the only two ways to get these are the first six issues of the individual trade or the individual comic books or the the trade that just came out in January. Um, in future episodes, I'm sure we will be reading stuff that's a little older, and you you'll be able to get it in multiple forms: hardcover, softcover, individuals, whatever. Um, in this case, there isn't. But the trade is 19.99, and it's 20 bucks well spent. Well spent. Well spent. Well spent. Well spunked. Makes you feel he's a cool exec for the hardest steer. And Iron Man, all jets of place. He's fight and slight with the closer race. A face in armor. Yes, Iron Man. A blazing armor. Yes, Andy. I don't know if you came prepared or not, but uh, one of the things that we were going to have you do is actually talk about what to buy in the next two weeks. Okay, so um, I normally go off of the Diamond Pull list, and it has not come out for next week yet. Uh, Some of the titles that were listed on there for this week were Thunderbolts. Oh, shit. Give me, like, 20 seconds. Uh which is going all over. And I you know, nothing. I got to I got to tell you guys that I'm a podcast newbie, so if I've been stepping all over your toes, not even a I'm a podcast anybody. newbie too, so yeah. I've been like shutting up and not talking. In the meantime, here's okay. a picture of Spider-Man being attacked by a dinosaur in the 1600s. <laughs> okay, so oh, I, I've got to pull up. Is that the noir? <laughs> <laughs> this is 1602. This is the book that Luke likes. I really liked it. Uh, this one was actually it was decent as a follow up to the original. I I've heard that. I haven't oh, heard wait, the follow up. I've the original's the one I like. Okay, so I've got it up now. Um, okay, you uh, got it up now. That's it. Took that long. Well, I just had to look at you for a second. Yeah, I know. 
Uh, okay, hey, so baby. Uh, coming out this week, uh, it's going to be a little bit difficult for me to do two weeks, but um, Spirit Number 12, uh, it's by Moriat, who's a Seattle artist, and it's uh, the Will Eisner character, the Spirit. Yes. It is fantastic. I think it's issue seven. He ends up getting drugged, and it's this psychedelic <laughs> trip as he's trying to figure out what's going on. Um, also coming out this week is Unwritten 23. Uh, that is a I've heard really good fantastic about story, and it was a total sleeper for the first year. And it was another, uh, my guy, Casey, at my store was like, you need to read this. I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. It was a buck for the first issue. I'm so happy that I started reading it then. Um, By the way, if anybody who's listening to the show really wants to get blitzed, I will offer up the drinking game where you take a drink every time Andy says either amazing or fantastic. Or or fuck. (laughs) That's, That's another one. Uh, also, we got Amazing Spider-Man 656, which is, I believe, the end of the big storyline right before the Fantastic Four stuff starts up. Okay. Um, and Casanova Gula, number three out of four. Casanova is by Matt Fraction. It is this amazing sci-fi, weird spy genre book. Is that the, the coloring? Yeah. The coloring The one? color yeah. version. It's good stuff. Uh, it's a reprint, actually, of the original run. The first two arcs made it out. Um wonderful wonderful book i can't give it enough praise in fact i'm going to recommend it for one of the shows at some point okay uh so also we've got thunderbolts 155 the new thunderbolts team led by luke cage uh does thunderbolts ish stuff okay what uncanny x-force 5.1 i hate marvel's point one books they're irritating the hell out of me i have no idea and they're not considered part of my regular poll list and it pisses me off um uncanny x-men annual number three and i think that's it for this week and check the webpage, and I'll update it for next week's as well. Okay. Does anybody have anything that they want to touch on before we wrap the show up? Well, Mark Millar. Yeah. Is a, okay, no, seriously, uh, on a side note, uh, in Trade Secrets uh, episode number seven, there's someone who's going to die. Hint, it's Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, I, I will preface everything I'm about to say with the fact that um, I have not yet f- I have not yet submitted the the podcast feed to iTunes, um, nor the Zoom Marketplace. It will likely be up on Z- iTunes hopefully before the first episode actually uh, is up on the website. So by the time this is up, I'm hoping that the iTunes feed will be up. If it's not, I'll make sure and post it on the website. Usually takes a couple weeks or a week to to two weeks for the iTunes feed to get up and, up and running. Zune is going to be a lot longer. I'm going to submit it to Zune, but when we did it for after the fact, it took two and a half months for them to actually get the feed up and running. So I would not expect it to be on Zune anytime soon. Um, <clears throat> that being said... Once the show is actually up on iTunes, rate us, please. If you like us, rate us. Tell us that you like us. Write a review of us. Uh, tell me that I'm full of shit. <laughs> tell Andy's tell- full of shit. Recommend stuff to me, guys. Seriously. Absolutely. Participate in the show as much as you co- possibly can. If you actually want to be a part of the show, if you want to ask questions of any one of us or any of the people that are going to be on the show in the future, you can email us at tradesecrets at geekerific.com. That email address will be up and running right from the get-go so you can email us at any time uh you can also post to our forums the forums may or may not be up and running by the time this uh works i will i will put something up there for people to post into but um the forums are going to be a combination forum for geekerific that'll have uh both after the fact and trade secret stuff uh involved in it um uh once we're up on zune i will put more information about zune 
we have a Facebook page. It is called. It is just called Trade Secrets right now. It's a website page. We do not have a unique URL, though, because we are not allowed to create a unique URL until we have at least 25 likes on the page. So if you if you like the show, if you want to give us uh, give us some props, go like our Facebook page. Just search for Trade Secrets and look for our podcast logo, which is up on the website. Um, you can join the, as I said, you can join the forums on the website. You can follow us all on Twitter. Uh, the main Twitter feed is actually Trade Secrets Pod on Twitter. And uh, in the future, hopefully, uh, anybody who's contributing to the show will be posting to that feed, posting information about comic stuff. We will all get in there. Uh, my personal Twitter feed is Geek Elite, G E E K E L I T E. Uh, Andy's is Mathtastrophe. Don't laugh. This is a different show, motherfucker. I'm going to get and this. And you're still stalling and reading At it. At Mathtastrophy, M-A-T-H-T-A-S-T-R-O-P-H-Y. Uh, yeah. Golf clap. Hey, yo. Uh, Ann and Joel don't have Twitter accounts yet, so I'm probably going to force, force them on them. What's with the Twitters? <laughs> Joel also hates tweets. Hates tweets. Uh, uh, in any case, uh, at... Blah, 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 blah. The website address is tradesecrets.geekerific.com. There we will have uh, whatever content Andy decides to uh, gather up for us. Um, we're hoping to have more contributors than the After the Fact uh, website, but um, we will post articles. But primarily, that's going to be the place where if you want to know anything about the show at all, you can go get it there. Uh, we will have all of the show announcements. We will announce what the next... Um, what the next episode is going to be all about, hopefully at least a week, if not two, in advance, and we will have that up on the website. Speaking of, what do we want to do for the next show? Chew. Chew? I don't know. Omnivore edition? Uh, uh, not, oh, that's the not zombie omnivore. one. Just do um, Taster's Choice, the first six. Is that in a yeah, soft that, cover trade that, that, that people can buy? Trade. Okay. Okay. Is that okay uh, by you, Joel? Yeah, I guess so. Also, uh, side <laughs> note, I don't okay think any of us ever mentioned the fact hey. that uh, uh, sorry, it's to. not the Sixth Gun Volume 1. It's actually called Cold Dead Fingers. It's Book 1, Cold Dead Fingers. But I don't think any of us ever... I think we just said, you know, the Sixth Gun. Yes, we did. So that's what the name of the trade is. Go buy it, nineteen ninety nine, worth every penny. Uh, Chew, yeah. So I guess the next episode we are going to do Chew. Uh, Taster's choice is Taster's what the choice, arc is called. I, yeah, that's what the arc's called. I can't remember if that's what the trade's called or not. All right, so you know where to find us. You know our website. You know our email. I will repeat our email address just to be sure. It's trade secrets at geekerific.com. Send us questions, comments, rants, raves. If you like us, tell us. If you hate us, tell us. Anything you send, at least for now, since we're gonna, probably not going to get much, anything you send will get read on the show, mm-hmm. and we will we will answer it if you tell us to go fuck ourselves we'll tell you right back find us on itunes and uh, aside from that i i am luke matthews this has been the inaugural episode of the trade secrets podcast thank you andy of course thank you joel hey thank you Anne. no problem and we're out